Hi, welcome back to the Recovery Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Abbasi. I'm a grateful recovering alcoholic and stroke survivor. And that is take three of me just introducing myself. I don't know why I had to keep pushing stop and starting again. Um, It's not that hard, Rachel. It's not that hard. Okay, today is Plank Challenge Day 20. And if you're going for three minutes this month, then today you'll do 110 seconds. If you're going for five minutes this month, you will do 150 seconds. And that kicked my behind last time. So I will uh, give it another try today. All right, so today I want to talk about something that I hadn't talked about yet, I don't think, on the podcast, and um, it is running through grief. So I had an interesting experience, and I want to just walk you through what happened to me, and I'm hoping that by sharing this, Um, you may consider this form of healing if you are ever suffering from grief. Um, It's just another way of letting it out. So um, it starts back in January of 2021. I lost a friend of mine, and he's somebody that I grew up with. I remember fifth grade when he walked into our classroom for the first time and his mom was at the door. I remember sitting at the table um, in the back of the classroom with my best friend and the classroom door opened and he was standing there, little five, little uh, fifth grader with his mom and, um, and I guess the principal And they said, you have a new student in class. And uh, Eddie walked in. Well, my first reaction, I was in fifth grade and I looked to my friend and we both said, he's cute. (laughs) That was the beginning of my life with this guy. So um, fast forward, like I was totally obsessed with this guy Um, growing up. He was like that you know, the boy that you look at from afar that you're always like, he's so cute. Um, Anyway, over the years, he became a friend, you know, well, he was a friend from the beginning, like, um, he was in my class in fifth grade, and we just became friends. And, um, and so we had always been friends, he ended up being friends with um, my ex-husband's family. And then outside of that, I was still friends with him on my own. So it was just a constant in my life. And he passed away in January of 2021 from uh, the disease of alcoholism. And of course, this is a disease that we both battled. Um, I got sober Five, you know, five years before this happened, before he passed. And it was my understanding over those years that his disease continued to progress. And that's what happens. And um, I know that he was attempting to get sober. 
I know that he had gone to, um, you know, participated in different facilities, had different sobriety network and such, um, and had had short lengths of sobriety, from what I understand. Um, and then he had passed. So at his funeral, I introduced myself to some of the folks in his sobriety network. And and they shared with me that they they did believe that he was sober. Um, so it's just you know I've it's not the only time I've heard this kind of story. Um, it just happens to be this is the closest that it has hit home for me. Um, and when he passed, it was this unnecessary reminder of the nature, you know, the merciless nature of addiction and uh, the inexplicable pain that those that suffer from it um, are dealing with on the inside that oftentimes nobody else can see it and, and we don't talk about it. You know, I didn't talk about it for a long time. So this period of my life, um, this period of mourning was really compounded when five months later or six months later, however you look at it, uh, in June, I had my stroke. Um, and when I suffered my stroke, I was immediately left with a chronic daily headaches, which I later found out were called migraines. If you have them every day, that they're called migraines. Um, and my vision was impaired, and I didn't know why or how to explain it. And um, and a cognitive deficit that, again, I didn't really know how to explain what was happening in my head. And I couldn't really, um, it, it was happening so intermittently that I, I didn't know how to really identify it or, or prove it, you know. Um, so again, this is another what felt like illness inside of me that I didn't know how to explain to anybody and I was just suffering on the inside. And I, and I suffered with this for, I suffered with this pain for two years before I went back to a doctor. Um, the, the pain that I felt emotionally from my loss of this friend, I suffered for about a year and a half before I decided you know, and I can't really tell you how I made this quote-unquote decision, but um, I needed to do something. You know, I needed to change something or nothing was going to change is what it came down to. And with having this loss and then suffering a stroke, I felt like that really spirited momentum that I had been experiencing in my life and sobriety just came to an abrupt stop. It, it 
felt like everything just crumbled. Um, of course, again, with that, that denial that I had been feeling after my stroke for the following two years, um, it didn't, my life didn't fully crumble, um, in the way of losing my career and all of my favorite hobbies and everything until I admitted that uh, I was just powerless in, in this pain that I was experiencing in my head. So that was, so it, it felt like over the past two years, my life was just crumbling. And, um, and I really haven't known how to pick myself up out of that. And I continue to try. Um, And this podcast is one of those attempts. Um, But one of the things that happened over the past two years was when I lost this friend of mine, I had a really hard time listening to music. And now I've mentioned this a few times over the past eight months. And I haven't really talked about it because I haven't really known how to talk about it Um, because I haven't talked to anybody who has had this experience. And I'm certain, because I'm not unique, that there is somebody out there who has suffered from this same issue. So um, whenever I would put music on after my friend passed, I would cry. I would start crying within minutes. And alongside of that, it was almost like that was that was like a an open window that would allow some of that grieving to come out. But I didn't like it. I didn't like how it felt. So I would turn the music off. And Every time, so I tried to listen to different kinds of music and it didn't matter. It didn't matter what kind of music it was, I would cry. So when I started crying, um, I would shut the door. I couldn't even get through a whole song before I started crying. Um, And that was my solution. My solution was to not listen to music. And instead, I listened to audiobooks. And I was obsessively listening to audiobooks, um, one after another. I must have listened to three audiobooks a month um, because I wouldn't listen to anything else. And I couldn't, you know, I didn't find enjoyment watching TV because it triggered the head pain and the vision issues. So I just resorted to lots of audiobooks. Um, so... During this time after I suffered the stroke and about midway, so I would say I suffered the stroke in June of 2021. So my friend passed January of 2021. I suffered the stroke in June of 2021. And then over that year, from June 2021 to June 2022, I was on a mission to heal, to for my head to stop hurting, and um, 
and find a way to move forward in my life despite the pain that I was feeling from losing my friend. And I was having a really hard time doing that. I felt like no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't move past the pain. Um, I shared about it so many times in my sobriety meetings, and that wasn't doing it. Um, I couldn't listen to music. You know, I didn't know how to get, get it out of me. I prayed, you know, and I've talked to you about my challenge with prayer, like understanding who or what I'm praying to, but praying anyway, you know, um, praying to my, my understanding of, of my higher power. And that wasn't working either. Um, so I got to a point physically that I felt like, you know, my head was still hurting. I still have had chronic headaches and my vision would still get messed up if I was on the computer for too long or any digital device too long. I really never have been back on my phone in a way that I was pre-stroke, but I was at the point where I could actually look at my phone to text. And I was at the point where I could work on my computer. um, And although I felt head, like I felt like that rubber band wrapped around my head, it was enough that I could still keep going. So I basically what I'm telling you is I was doing everything I wasn't supposed to and dealing with the pain. So I decided I wanted to start running again in June of 2022. And so I did it <laughs> because any of you who know me and any of you who don't and are are listening to the podcast have probably figured out that if I want to do something, I'm going to do it. You know, if if I think that something is going to help me in some way, I'm going to do it. And so I thought that exercising was going to help me, like getting back out there, because I used to run 5Ks when I first got sober. So I thought, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to get back to training for a 5K. That's what I was planning on doing, was training again for a 5K. Well, it proved to be a lot more difficult for me to run. And I did not really attach that difficulty to the fact that I had a stroke. Um, I just thought, well, I haven't ran in a while. That's why it's hard. Um, So I'm just going to keep pushing through. Yes, I just, (laughs) this is me, you know, I just keep pushing through no matter what the pain, you know, whatever my body's telling me, I just ignore it. I do what I think I need to do or what I want to do. And I ignore the signs that my body is giving me. So I started doing this running (coughs) thing, excuse me. And I went a couple times 
and I was listening to my audiobooks. And one day I decided I don't want to listen to my audiobooks. I want to listen to music um, because I feel like music will allow me to push forward, you know, be more, uh, more of a momentum, I guess, to push me forward when I'm running. So I turn on music on my iPhone and I started crying because that's what I do when I listen to music. And I thought to myself, you know what? F it. I'm going to keep listening to music and I'm going to keep running because whatever's happening inside of me has to come out or else it's never going to stop. So I just ran and I cried and I faced that trigger for my grief. Um, when I, you know, when I first started listening to the music and running, the tears just started streaming down my face. And it morphed into what I like to describe as my ugly cry. I mean, it, it turned into just sobbing, sobbing, and I'm still running. And I'm running by a parking lot. You know, I'm running around this uh, sports complex. It's like six soccer, soccer fields that are all hooked together. So I'm running around the perimeter of six soccer fields. So um, this perimeter of the soccer fields goes alongside a parking lot. And then on another side, it goes alongside a hiking path. And then, of course, throughout this time, there's people inside all of the soccer fields that are practicing. And I just kept running. I was like, I don't even care. At this point, I don't even care who sees me. I just have to get this out of me. And so I just, I ran through the emotional pain. I ran through the physical pain. I ran through not being able to breathe. I just kept running. Um, I ran through all of the memories that were, that were just overwhelming me, just pouring through my head. Um, and I ran through like the pain in my chest was so great but it was heartache. It was heartache that I felt. And I just kept running through it. Until eventually, and gradually, I stopped crying. And once I stopped crying, I stopped running. And that run was a pivotal experience for me. It was cathartic. It was a physical representation of the emotional battle that I had been suffering through for an entire year and a half. And I wasn't telling anybody. I mean, I did tell people that I couldn't listen to music or I would cry, but I just, it was surface level that I was telling people. It was like, yeah, well, and almost in a humorous tone. I can't listen to music. It makes me cry. I just can't. 
you know, um, but I wasn't actually facing it. And since that day, music has returned into my life as a source of comfort, fun. Um, I, I can listen to it and start belting out song in the bathroom like I used to. And I have found a way to move forward with acceptance. And, you know, acceptance doesn't have to feel good. Acceptance hurts sometimes. And that act of running, of placing one foot in front of the other, despite the pain, mirrors my own path through grief and acceptance. And today, when I look back on this experience, the reason why I'm in tears is because it still hurts, you know, um, not necessarily am I crying because of my feeling the sorrow of the loss for my friend. I mean, of course, I'll always be sad that he only lived the first half of what could have been an entire lifetime. Um, but I'm sad because it it's the pain. It just... What I did that day physically is what I experience so often emotionally. I just keep trying to run through the pain. You know, I keep trying to run through the despair. You know, I keep trying to forge ahead and be optimistic about my healing. And so I wanted to share about this because my experiment, my experience is a testament to the power that running can have as a conduit to process grief and gain resilience. Physical, you know, physically letting out that energy is is a way to heal. And I found that that worked that day. Um, you know, as I, as I journey through healing in stroke recovery and sobriety, I, I can't run right now. Um, I'm challenged to do a lot of different physical activities because it causes movement, you know, it's movement for my eyes. And when you feel like crap, you don't really want to exercise. Um, and that's what I've been experiencing. I'm not giving up on <laughs> building up the desire to do yoga. I haven't given up on that. Um, I think about it daily. Thinking about it doesn't, doesn't, you know, take that yoga mat out of the out of the cabinet, but I'm going to continue to, you know, seek the desire, I guess, to do it. Um, and my hope is that by continuously or continually seeking an answer to the cause of my chronic 
pain and vision impairment that maybe I'll be able to run again. If maybe I won't, maybe I'll just be able to walk with my dog again. You know, I used to take my dog hiking for a couple hours and I would love to be able to do that again. But right now I'm afraid to go too far away from, you know, go down a hiking path or anything. Um, get anywhere where I'm not going to be able to get back to laying down. So um, until then, I will not pick up a drink. That's most important. And I find enjoyment in new hobbies and hobbies that are compatible with my condition. So thank you for listening today and allowing me to share this experience with you. And I hope it can offer some sort of hope to others that are navigating uh, grief and trying to process loss. And uh, that's what I have for you today. So thanks for joining me and I'll talk to you tomorrow.